Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. My hair was coming out in bunches. Nature's deadliest organisms. It was like looking at an anatomy picture. They hijack our bodies. I was gasping for air. Disable our immune systems. This infection causes the body to rot. And eat us from within. Those are some dark days. For those infected, they are the monsters inside me. Peter Haggerty is 29 years old. He lives in Salem, Oregon, where he works in a paint store. In his spare time, he enjoys the great outdoors of the Pacific Northwest. I like to go out and snowboard in the wintertime, fishing in the summer. You've got the beaches, you've got the forest, you've got the deserts. It's awesome. Peter is the youngest of four children and remains close with his parents, Peggy and David, who live nearby. I think being the baby, he's very special because we've spent a lot of quality time together, just him and I, as he was growing up. Peter is hardworking. And he's very conscientious. I'm very proud of the man that he has become. But one tragic event has come to define their family. Our oldest son passed away last summer, and it really was a traumatic experience for all of us. After losing Matt, it was... I was in shock. Still kind of all fresh on our minds. It's a very hard situation and we shared it together. So I think that has brought us closer as a family group. But something is going to take this family back to the brink. It's a cold winter's night in January and Peter is home alone having dinner. I was eating, biting and taking a big bite into a big burger. First bite just Mm. struck a nerve and I was just like, ooh. That's not good. You know, that really hurt. The tooth really was kind of bugging me. 
I figured it was something I could probably manage. I had to just chew strictly on the right. He tries to ignore his tooth pain, but it doesn't go away. So Peter goes to see his dentist. They took x-rays, and then he also came in and looked at the tooth. Well, the x-ray did reveal I had an abscess tooth. A tooth abscess is a pocket of pus that sometimes develops from a cavity. So they wanted to do a root canal and then just kind of cap the tooth. It was going to take two to three weeks, but it wasn't a, a dental emergency. And I was happy that we were actually going to get, to get it taken care of. In the meantime, Peter takes pain relievers. Two days later, Peter is getting ready for work. I went into the bathroom to kind of start shaving, and my face is all swollen. I was in a little bit of pain. The floor of my mouth was so swollen that it was level with my teeth. It was freaky looking. But I wasn't too worried about it. I figured it was just, you know, the dental issue. But Peter's family won't let him off the hook so easily. When I first saw him, I thought, oh my gosh, something is not right. I suggested to Peter that he should go back to the dentist. But I told him, you don't need to be concerned or worry about like you usually are. <laughs> when Peter said that, I, I realized I needed to step back and let him take charge of his own life. But I got anxious. Peter carries on with his routine. But a few days later at breakfast, it's clear that something more serious is going on. My throat was closed up. Like it wasn't as big as it used to be, like it was swollen. I couldn't get food past my throat. It was really hard to, to swallow things. And when I did, it was really, really painful. I was just miserable, really, you know? And when Monday rolls around, Peter heeds his mother's advice and heads right back to the dentist. A dentist's office opens at 8. I was there like 8, 10. I went in and asked if I could get my procedure done sooner than two weeks. It's just, let's just do this thing. But it couldn't fit me in the schedule. However, the dentist does give him a passing glance. She seemed really busy at the time. She just kind of came over. She didn't even really look at me. She just went behind the counter and wrote the prescription for me. She hands Peter a prescription for an antibiotic. I figured it was just something she'd seen before, which was kind of reassuring, I guess. Peter takes the antibiotics for the swelling in his throat. A few days later, he's getting up to go to work. I was checking myself out in the mirror, just looking at everything, and noticed the swelling had gone down in my mouth, but now it felt like there was a small cut right behind my tooth. And every time I kind of touched it with my tongue, it felt like something was secreting out of it. I figured I was getting better, and that was part of the body's process for, for the healing, you know. Peter goes to his job at the paint store. But there, the cut in his mouth is affecting his work. It felt like it was secreting every, like, 10, 15 minutes, and it would just fill in my mouth. The color was, it was really brown, and it, and it stunk. It was like if you had a bunch of vinegar in your mouth. So as I would carry this cup with me everywhere, spitting into it. Everybody was like, oh, my gosh, what's wrong? Customer came up, and while I would be talking to them, the spit would form in my mouth. It's nasty tasting, so I'd spit it out. I said, man, you look bad. You should go to the hospital. And I said, hey, believe me, it's under control. I've got it. I just try to power through it. However, Peter's boss tells him to take off early and get some rest. Three days later, in the dead of night, something jars him from his sleep. I did a little verp. And as soon as that 
kind of got up into my throat, it, it literally like closed up. I was gasping for air, like. <clears throat> I was scared. I ended up going to the bathroom and staring at myself in the mirror, like just willing myself to take a breath of air. I just felt like I was dying. After I'd say about a minute or so of not breathing, I finally was starting to take a breath. And at that time, I, I was like, something is seriously wrong. Peter calls his parents to take him to the hospital. But when they reach his house, they notice something very strange. Immediately when he got into the car, I said, Peter, you reek. It smelled like decayed meat. He stunk to high heaven. Kind of grossed me out. I thought, boy, that's just awful. They make a beeline for the hospital. There, the on-call doctors examine him. The doctor had a little stick and he's pushing down, moving my tongue around. And I'm watching him and I see his eyes get really big all of a sudden. He goes, Oop. And at this time, I'm looking at my parents like, uh-oh, something's not right. They told us that it was basically a swelling due to an infection and that it was closing up the windpipes. Now we knew that this was really serious. I started to become concerned. It was quite overwhelming. To stop Peter's throat from swelling shut, doctors put Peter under with a general anesthetic and insert a breathing tube into his lungs. Then the doctor consults Peter's parents. He told us that the infection definitely had gone down into the throat. I asked the doctor point blank, so Peter's going to be okay. And he looked at me and said, honestly, I can't tell you that right now. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. 
If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Peggy and David Haggerty's son, Peter, is in the ICU and suffering from a mysterious infection that has caused his throat to close up. We were definitely praying, panicking and praying, worried about whether our son is going to survive or not. Unable to treat the condition, doctors medevac Peter to a specialist hospital 50 miles away. There, head and neck specialist Dr. Ritter Sansoni takes on his case. So when Peter came in, he was sedated and pretty sick. Our biggest concern was whether or not the infection had spread farther down into his chest. To save Peter's life, doctors rush him into the OR. We had to do everything that we could possibly do to keep Peter alive. Once we cut into him, the team identified basically dead tissue. It was obvious to us that he had something we call necrotizing fasciitis. And I'm going, what in the heck is that? Necrotizing fasciitis is a flesh-eating disease caused by the bacteria Streptococcus and Peptostreptococcus. Inside Peter's body, the bacteria attack the tissue in his mouth and neck, cutting off his blood supply. As the bacteria breed, they release harmful toxins that cause his brown spit, putrid smell, and tissue decay. Doctors quickly inform the family of the news. Necrotizing fasciitis offers a grim prognosis. People often die of organ failure, if not treated rapidly. It's a flesh-eating bacteria, and that's when I went, what? We are very scared, very concerned for Peter. What makes the streptococcus bacteria so dangerous is that they have a kind of cloaking device. They can cover themselves with a protective shield that makes it hard for the immune system to recognize them as a threat. This allows the bacteria to spread within the body and infect vital organs. Up to 40% of all cases lead to death. For four long hours, the surgeons struggled to cut out the infected flesh. During the initial surgery, the team removed a significant amount of the dead tissue, basically from his mouth all the way down to his collarbones. But there was more necrotic tissue that was still left over. Doctors complete the first of what will be multiple surgeries. Yeah, we lost one son. We don't think we could deal so quickly with a second. In the ICU, David and Peggy find their son with a four-inch hole cut out of his neck. Just like, oh my gosh. It was like looking at an anatomy picture. You could see the, the throat, the esophagus, you could see all the musculature. And it was like a big, ugly grin. It was just huge. As a mother, I couldn't look and see that much damage. It was extremely shocking. The medical team performs two more surgeries, but they manage to cut out all of the infected tissue. Though doctors must place a tracheotomy tube in his neck, Peter survives the horrific necrotizing fasciitis. He has many guardian angels watching over him. Maybe even a brother. 
Something helped you that night. He put his finger over the trach tube and he says, Hi, Mom and Dad. And it was just, it was neat. It was neat. Humans often have streptococcus and peptostreptococcus in their mouths. Most of the time, the body can fight off these bacteria, although they can cause tonsillitis and other easily treatable conditions. However, in very rare instances, if these bacteria enter the bloodstream, they can cause this flesh-eating condition. In Peter's case, he had an infected tooth that allowed the bacteria to spread into the floor of his mouth. Those survivors of necrotizing fasciitis are more susceptible to infections this doesn't get in his way. And today, after receiving a skin and muscle graft from his chest to close the hole in his neck, Peter Haggerty is returning to a normal life. My voice is definitely deeper. I lost my beautiful singing voice. It's a little more grunge. But got my family, got my work, got my health. Life is good. Necrotizing fasciitis is rare, with fewer than 1,000 cases a year reported in the U.S. The best way to prevent infection is to make sure that any open wounds are promptly and thoroughly disinfected. If a wound does become reddened or swollen, the CDC recommends seeking immediate medical attention. Yvonne and Brian Lauer live in the picturesque lakeside town of Waterford, Wisconsin, about 40 miles outside of Milwaukee. We're a blended family. I have three kids from a previous marriage, and he has two. A very big priority to both of us are our children and our families. Yvonne is so full of life and energy for her kids, for the community. They also run a business together. We're both financial advisors. Brian is mostly the financial planning and life insurance side of the business, and my focus is mainly estate planning. But they're not just all about work. We love to travel, we love to go places. Uh, road trips are, are so much fun for us. It's a chance to get away. It's early spring, and Brian and Yvonne are working together at the office. One day, I walk into the office, and she was literally falling asleep at her desk. You know, in my mind, I'm going, what is going on here? He woke me, you know, and asked me, what's wrong? And I said, I don't know, I just don't feel good. And it made me feel terrible that I couldn't keep up with my work. Yvonne goes home early, and Brian stays behind to close up shop. Yvonne's fatigue lingers for a few months. Then Brian notices something else. We have a desk with a treadmill. I noticed she wasn't using it. She was sitting a lot more. And I said, why aren't you walking? Why aren't you using your treadmill? She said, because it hurts. I was having joint pain. My hips and my low back would hurt so bad, I just had to stop. And I was perplexed. So Yvonne visits a specialist. He examined me, put me through an hour-long check of my joints and of my movement. He ran some blood work on me and a urinalysis. And he told me that what he thought I had was lupus. Lupus is a chronic condition that causes the immune system to attack healthy tissue, resulting in fatigue, joint pain, and shortness of breath. 
I was somewhat relieved that we finally had an answer to what's been going on for this past year. It was nice to know it can be held in check with proper treatment, diet, that type of thing. The doctor puts Yvonne on an intense regimen of steroids and hypothyroid medications. For a few months, things seem to improve. They even plan a big getaway trip to Yellowstone in a few months' time. But I was in a meeting with a client one day, and my brain was just feeling very cloudy. I was really struggling to hold on a conversation with my client and understand what it was she was talking to me about. And it was very scary. I was alarmed. Yvonne interrupts the meeting and asks for Brian's help. So I had to enter the appointment and essentially take over because she had lost it. That's when you go, my goodness, we're dealing with some mental issues that are very scary. I was falling into a deep, dark hole, and I could not find my way out of it. And it's affecting more than just her body. We're going to spend nine days in Yellowstone, Yvonne's favorite place on Earth. But we started to realize not only was I not getting better, I was getting worse. So we made the very, very hard decision to cancel the entire trip. I was absolutely devastated, and I didn't even want to leave the house. Yvonne still holds out hope that the lupus medication will put her condition into remission. But a few months later, her work continues to slip. I go through a pile, and I start seeing things that this was supposed to have been sent in weeks ago. I turn the page, a couple of more pages. I thought this was already done. Now I'm really concerned. Later that night, Brian confronts Yvonne about her job performance. I had to tell her that I felt like I couldn't really rely on her. The toughest discussion you ever have with somebody is trying to tell them that they're not capable of doing what they think that they can do. He told me my work was really slipping, which deep down I knew he was right. But it was not a talk I was very happy to have. Concerned at the lack of progress, the couple seeks a second opinion. The doctor took a lot of new blood tests, and I was in for a shock. She told me she did not feel I had lupus at all. But what is it? And she said, I don't know. And that's when the mystery really started. I was very frustrated, just shaking my head, going, how could we have gone that long? And this isn't even what she had. I felt like after all I had been through, I was now back at square one. For several more months, Yvonne staggers through her mysterious and debilitating condition. Then one day, things take a dramatic turn. I was washing my hair and realized I had hair just running through all my fingers. It was, it was coming out in bunches. I didn't know what was going on. The hair loss became a visible sign that she was actually sick, and she didn't want to be identified as that sick person. Several months later, her chronic symptoms come to a climax. I needed to use the restroom, so I went to get up and realized I couldn't. The pain was so bad in my shoulders and in my hips 
and I could not lift my arms. They lost all their strength. I felt like I was nothing but a burden, a drain on Brian, and there was no hope left at that point, and, and I just didn't know what to do. If there is no diagnosis out there for me, then I just don't want to go on anymore. Those were some dark days. Those really were some dark days. With numerous doctor's visits yielding nothing, Yvonne turns to yet another specialist, Dr. Gregory Brown. Yvonne was in significant distress. She had very dark circles under her eyes, looked very fatigued. We arranged to have a blood sample drawn and look specifically at how her immune system was responding to her illness uh, and how it wasn't responding to her illness. When the blood results come in, they finally get an answer. From the specialty lab testing, it was very clear that she had Lyme disease. I was speechless. I was shocked. Lyme disease is caused by a bacteria called Borrelia burgdorferi. Inside Yvonne's body, the bacteria multiply in her muscle tissue. They then enter her bloodstream and travel throughout her body, infecting her muscles and joints. As the bacteria spread, the infection causes Yvonne's debilitating joint pain, hair loss, and brain fog. I just collapsed in tears. I had something major going on here. And the Borrelia burgdorferi bacteria use an unusual strategy to avoid the immune system. Most immune cells simply ingest foreign invaders. But Borrelia burgdorferi move in a corkscrew fashion, and this unique movement perpetually misdirects the aim of the immune cells, preventing them from getting a hold on the bacteria. This could be a potentially lethal infection. I was nervous about whether or not I was going to be able to get better. We simply fell back on our faith and said, we're going to fight this fight to the end. To save her life, Dr. Brown puts Yvonne on a rigorous regimen of multiple antibiotics and antimicrobials. And a few months later, she experiences a breakthrough. I no longer have to take two breaks walking up a flight of stairs. I can walk the whole flight without stopping. I'm amazed at how different I am now than I was just a year ago. That spark was back in her eye. And that felt really good. Really good. It was so great to start having my wife back again. I can't tell you how great that was. Sorry. Borrelia burgdorferi live in black leg ticks and deer ticks. While deer and other large mammals do not usually get ill from the bacteria, humans typically contract Lyme disease when they're bitten by an infected tick. I've spent a lot of time in the woods, so it, it could have happened any number of times that I was outside hiking or, or, or just hanging out in the woods. Though she remains at risk for long-term arthritis and even neurological problems, today, Yvonne is back at work and doing her best to lead a normal life. But the bacterial infection remains inside her. In fact, it's never going to completely go away. Almost every day, Yvonne gives herself a dose of intravenous drugs. Six days a week, I use my Metaport for a daily infusion. But there are still many ups and downs. 
she fought her way through this stuff with barely a complaint. I owe Brian my life. I don't know if I'd even still be here if it wasn't for Brian. The CDC estimates that there are approximately 300,000 newly diagnosed cases of Lyme disease every year. The disease is endemic throughout much of the U.S., and in particular, in the Northeast and Upper Midwest. The best way to prevent infection is to avoid being bitten by an infected tick. When passing through areas where ticks are prevalent, it's a good idea to wear long sleeves and pants, use DEET-based insect repellent, and always check for ticks. Pamela Krause lives in Parma, Ohio, a suburb southwest of Cleveland. She is married and has four children, Stephanie, Kelton, Sawyer, and Caden. Stephanie, she's very creative and imaginative. Kelton loves anything technical. And our youngest is Sawyer. He's very affectionate. Caden is a presence. He's very boisterous. Caden is particularly close with Pamela's father, biology teacher Joe Degata. As the doting grandfather, Joe encourages his grandchildren's active lifestyle. A family gets together pretty often, and I would say of the grandchildren, Caden probably loves swimming the most. It's a weekend in August. Grandpa Joe and his wife are hosting seven-year-old Caden at their lakeside cottage to foster his love for swimming. It's a pretty hot summer day, and he wasn't himself. He looked kind of pale, and he didn't seem like he wanted to eat anything. His favorite food was pepperoni pizza. He didn't want any part of it. I was a little concerned. He seemed distressed to me. The boy doesn't eat for the rest of the day. And that evening, Joe notices something else unusual about Caden. Started watching television, and he started to complain about a sharp pain in his stomach. That was unusual because he hardly ever complained. Joe takes Caden's temperature and notices that he's running a fever. But that's not all. He was having repetitive bouts of diarrhea. And he seemed to be weaker and weaker. I began to think that it could possibly be a ruptured appendix. A ruptured appendix is a serious condition in which the organ perforates and spills infectious material into the abdominal cavity. Left untreated, it can be fatal. It made us very concerned, so we decided to take him to the hospital. When Pamela hears the news, she is alarmed. Caden has never been to the ER before. It was scary and I could not fall asleep. At the hospital, doctors give the boy a thorough examination. They didn't think that he had a ruptured appendix. Doctor thought Caden was just having a, a viral infection. So they put an IV in him to give him fluids and released him at around 3 a.m. in the morning. But it looked like he was still undergoing some pain. We were still concerned. In spite of his doubts, Joe takes Caden back to the lakeside cottage. But the next morning, things are looking up. When he woke up, his color had come back to his cheeks and all. 
That made us feel better. He was starting to recuperate. My mom called, and so I was a little relieved to hear that it wasn't something serious. With Caden apparently on the rebound, Joe drives him back home. But there, Pamela knows immediately that something isn't right. He laid down on the couch and didn't really even move. I could tell just by looking at him, he just looked sad and he was in pain. I was really upset, but I just thought it was a typical stomach flu and that it would go away. For the next four days, Pamela tries to keep Caden hydrated and well-rested. But his fever continues to soar. I thought he would feel better within 24 to 48 hours. I felt really sad that he was in pain and there didn't seem like there was anything we could do about it. But Pamela's helplessness has only just begun. She takes him to the pediatrician. The doctor examined Caden, listened to his heartbeat, took his temperature, and then he just said it was a stomach virus. I wasn't convinced that's what it was, but you kind of trust your doctors. The doctor recommends that Caden take over-the-counter pain relievers. And for a few days, he appears to be on the mend. But late one night, things take a drastic turn. All of a sudden, like in the middle of the night, he started throwing up again. I couldn't believe it. Here he is sick again. And we just really didn't know what to do. It made me extremely anxious. Caden continues to vomit for the rest of the night. And for the next few days, his condition prevents him from eating any food at all. It was frustrating because you worry if he's not going to eat, is he going to starve? This was pretty shocking for me. Joe comes to visit his ailing grandson and observes something shocking. He had lost a lot of weight and he was very thin, you could tell. This was shocking to me. His clothes were just like hanging on him. I was worried even if I wasn't verbalizing it. My dad has a very telling face and I knew that my dad was extremely worried about Caden. And so I put him on the scale and he lost like 14 pounds. He was only seven years old and that's a lot of weight to lose when you're seven. In my heart, I knew it was not just a typical illness. This was going on far too long, and he was losing far too much weight. And so I was very concerned at that time that it might be something very, very serious. The next day, the family takes Caden to a different pediatrician, and Dr. Joanne Brewer takes on his case. When Caden came and he looked very sick, he was pale, listless, he was not able to eat. He had lost a significant amount of weight. This was unusual. I would have expected a simple stomach virus to have been completely gone by now. I just expressed to her that something more should be done. I remember her saying to me, sometimes mother's intuition is better than what we as doctors can do. We wanted to give him a full battery of tests to make sure we weren't missing anything. So I thought it would be a good idea to get blood work and stool cultures. Dr. Brewer sends the samples off to the lab. When the results come in, 
The fecal samples reveal something alarming. She said to me, your mother's intuition was right. I said, you're right. He doesn't have a virus. He has a parasite. Based on Caden's stool sample, he has cryptosporidium. It was terrifying to think that he had a parasite. Cryptosporidium is an aggressive parasite. Inside Caden's body, the parasites colonize the lining of his intestines. For three weeks, they've been latching onto the walls with a specialized extension and sucking the nutrients out of his body. As they feed, the parasites reproduce en masse, leading to Caden's diarrhea, constant vomiting, and dramatic weight loss. I was extremely worried. I didn't know what was coming next. Inside a human host, the cryptosporidium parasites can produce millions of spores called oocysts that are then passed into the environment through the host's feces. Cryptosporidium is especially harmful to anyone with a weakened immune system, such as those with HIV, pregnant women, or young children. In extreme cases, cryptosporidium can be fatal. At a younger age, there is more risk of dehydration and malnutrition. Being a biology teacher, I knew that these things can be very dangerous and life-threatening. Since he had been sick for so long, I was just hoping that it wasn't too late. To try to rid him of this insidious infection, Dr. Brewer puts Caden on a rigorous course of antiparasitic medication and transfers him to home care. They had been sick for so long. I prayed that the medicine would work immediately. But that evening, there's no sign of improvement. However, the very next day, she notices an encouraging sign. He just came into the kitchen and said, I'm hungry. I was thrilled. I was thrilled that he wanted to eat again, and I let him eat whatever he wanted. A few weeks later, Caden Krause makes a full recovery. He started playing with his brothers again, and he was close to 100%. It made me very relieved to see him back to normal. But how did Caden contract this insidious infection? In the United States, about three-quarters of a million cases of cryptosporidium occur each year. And that's because the cryptosporidium parasites are highly contagious. Humans can become infected by consuming water or soil that is tainted with contaminated fecal matter, making it one of the most common waterborne illnesses in the United States. Caden most likely contracted it from swallowing swimming pool water that was contaminated. I knew exactly when Caden got it. My aunt and uncle had invited all the cousins over to swim one day, and Caden kept swallowing water and kept choking on the water. As it turns out, Caden's not the only one of the cousins to have been infected by this highly contagious parasite. All four of the kids had cryptosporidium. Though extreme cases of the infection can lead to long-term malnutrition, seven years later, Caden is happy and healthy. I'm so thankful for my parents and my grandparents for watching over me and taking care of me when I was sick. There were no lingering effects from the parasite, and it just makes you realize that you should never take anything for granted. 
The entire incident has brought us closer together as a family. You just have to, you know, uh, hug each day. Cryptosporidium parasites live in fresh water all over the world, even in chlorinated swimming pools. Incredibly, the parasites can withstand relatively high levels of chlorine. In cases where an outbreak has occurred in a swimming pool, the CDC recommends flushing the pool and its filters with hyperchlorinated water before opening the pool back up to swimmers. For more blood-curdling monsters and their hideous habits, visit our website, animalplanet.com slash monsters inside me. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.